Hello and happy day. Welcome everyone tuning in to Hashtag Stories of Healing podcast, episode 19. Stories of Healing is here to inspire, motivate, help others lift and rise up through their past or present struggles by listening in and connecting with the special guest who tunes into sharing their story of healing and how they overcame their battle. What was their healing process? A burnout prevention and life balance coach and consultant, multi-award-winning international speaker and best-selling author who uses her own experiences with burnout and mental health to help others avoid the dark place that she found herself in. She founded Your Reason to Breathe as a way to show those struggling with stress and overwhelm that they can be burnout-free and put themselves back into their lives as a priority, driving a sustainable work-life harmony that allows all areas of their lives to thrive. Welcome, Sarah Ross. I am humbled to have you on the show today. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And thank you for having me. Of course. And um, yeah, thank you for being on the show. I'm very grateful and humbled. And um, it's amazing that we got, um, you know, we're connecting all the way from the UK. Yeah, over the pond. (laughs) Yes, over the pond. And if everyone doesn't know, you know, we're streaming from Canada, all the UK. So we got about a five hour difference here. So we're having some fun on this happy Sunday. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time today to, to share your story on our show. And um, you're our first uh, episode here for the 2022 year. So this is amazing. So thank you. Oh, it's always, it's always good to get stories out there. And like you said, just for people to sometimes hear that somebody else has gone through something and that they can connect with that. It's, it can start people's healing just by listening to a podcast, which is always fascinating to me. I agree. And I think uh, people tuning in today and listening are going to, you know, hear a story of healing that will provide some empowerment and some healing in their life. And uh, are you feeling ready to dive in? Yes, let's do this. All right. So, Sarah, um, it is time to share your story of healing. Um, what is a story of which brought you a life challenge or struggle? So I worked in the corporate world. Um, I was, yeah, senior management. I'd worked my way up over a number of years and I did not see the signs of burnout and stress coming. Um, And I think that's kind of one of the points that I like to make to my audience is that it doesn't always happen when things are going bad. You know, so I was looking after 50 different countries, 14 time zones. Um, I was flying here, there and everywhere every week. I was having a great time. You know, for me, working with different cultures was really, really um, empowering. But I didn't realize that my body was struggling even at that point to keep up with me. Uh, My body didn't have a clue which time zone we were in most of the time. Are we sleeping? Are we eating? Oh, we're on another plane. What are we we doing? Um, And then as the sort of symptoms of stress really started to take hold, my, bo- my body, my life just started to fall apart. You know, my partner left me. Uh, I had some health issues that just wouldn't ha- clear up. And, you know, when we look back at them now, those all came from stress and my body just not being able to heal. Until you get to that point where, you know, I was having migraines 25 days a month. Wow. So I am, you know, I'm in a dark room 25 days a month, that internal chatter that we all have that tells us you're not good enough you know what are you doing you're a waste of time you're disappointing people i was really really hard on myself and um, but i had nothing i had nowhere else to go because 
you know, I was literally waiting for the pain in my head to stop. And that was 25 days out of every month. And you get to the point, you know, I've exhausted all the possible painkillers, the treatments aren't working anymore. And the only thing that is that I can change is the fact that I'm stressed. And so my neurologist neurologist at the time actually, you know, gave me put me on sick leave um, that I needed to rest. But even then I didn't want to rest. It was like to me, rest was, oh, I need to be working, I need to be doing things. And so it just kept propagating itself that I was just burning out until I lost my job. Uh, I took a severance package. Um, and even when I took that was, you know what, I'll take the six months that the package covers, but as soon as it's finished, I am going back to work. Even if I go back to work for the same company, I'll just take six months off, heal, feel better, and then I'm going back to my job. And a couple of weeks into that sort of, we call it over here garden leave, where you're still mm -hmm. technically employed, but you're supposed to be sat in the garden waiting for your contract to, to finish. Mm. Um, and it was my 37th birthday. And I kind of sat there and thought, I just do not want to see my 38th. I'm done. You know, this the pain that I'm in all the time, the I'm not good at anything. I've lost my job. What is the point? You know, there's nothing good in my life um, that I, you know, that I want to live for. And so I basically chose a date on which I would end it. Wow. Thank you for sharing. And that is very heavy. Um, one of my questions I wanted to ask is that how long, so in those years of working, like how long um, were you in that for? Were you feeling this way? So I think there was about 18 months where I had those migraines all the time, mm -hmm. but the symptoms had started showing themselves two or three years before that. You know, I didn't burn out overnight. I didn't get chronically stressed overnight. This was this was years of not listening to my body, of trying to just do too much on too little sleep, not enough, you know, not looking after myself, not listening to my body. I mean, my body had mm -hmm. been giving me signs that I needed to slow down for years mm -hmm. and I ignored them. Um, and I think for anybody out there, just think about how quickly you would react if your phone battery went below 20% and you get that little message that says low battery, you immediately react and want to recharge your phone. Well, mm. my body was giving me sinus infections, uh, food poisoning, you know, headaches, stress, mm. that, pain, that pain in the back that will just mm. not go away. And yet I was like, oh, well, I'll go to the chiropractor in a couple of weeks when I'm back for that trip. It's like, yeah, no, I needed to go that day to get it sorted but it was always i'll just do it in the future mm -hmm. and yeah and then in the immune system obviously started like taking a toll yeah. started decreasing and, and boost not boosting the way it should be and yeah you know i feel that it's very um in this day and age too there's a lot of people that are in the workforce that um sometimes get caught up in not in that self-care and we get caught up in like that overwhelm overdrive and it really takes that moment to kind of be aware of where you are in your body and your health. And um, I want to talk about that turning point for you. Um, when did you um, realize that you wanted to go in a different direction? Yeah. So I had got to the point where life was unbearable for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, you know what? I, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, I'll, I'll stress it was not about dying. 
it was just that I wanted the pain to stop. I wanted to be in a place where I didn't take painkillers every day and I didn't have these headaches, but I couldn't see a way out from out of that other than, you know, taking my life. And I, but I had been granted these, this time off, this, you know, severance package. And I had friends that I wanted to go and say goodbye to. Now, I didn't tell anybody what I was planning. Nobody knew what was going on in my head. And so it was very much, I'm going to go and see these friends, say goodbye, but they won't know that's what, what I'm doing. And I had always wanted to go and volunteer. And so I ended up in an orphanage in Vietnam uh, with disabled children, uh, giving them the support that they needed for really basic daily activities. You know, I would help feed them, dress them. We would, mm, Amazing. You know, it was we would build Lego towers and we would break Lego towers. Nice. We, <laughs> we would draw around our hands and we would give ourselves funky nails. And, you know, my some days my job was just sharpening pencils because anyone out there who's got kids know how easily they break a pencil. Well, when you've got 20 children doing that, you know, me and the pencil sharpener were very good friends. <laughs> um, and, you know, other days it was just about hugging these children who were abandoned by their families or families couldn't look after them mm. and there was something in that environment it was incredibly basic you know we didn't always have wi-fi we didn't always have hot water sometimes we didn't have electricity and you just learned to get on with it and appreciate you know what you did have and sometimes it was just about seeing one child smile mm. to know that that kid had had a good day and when you left in the afternoon, they had a smile on their face, which put a smile on your face. And it came to, so I was there from 1st of November, and I was planning to leave, finish um, at the end of January. And was like, right, well, if this is going to be my final Christmas, because a lot of my days were filled with final things and last things. Mm. So it was my last flight to Vietnam. It was my last time to go through immigration. It was the last time my passport would be stamped. And then it was, oh, this is going to be my last Christmas. And I decided I wanted to be Santa Claus in a country that doesn't <laughs> celebrate Christmas. Uh, wow. and the, children, the children don't know who Santa Claus is. But I was <laughs> determined that Santa Claus and his elves were going to go to the orphanage that Christmas. And I found everything I needed to play Santa Claus in the market. Now, you know, I go, well, that's, of course you did. The market find everything well in the run-up to that i hadn't even been able to buy some shorts or a mm. t-shirt or anything in my size and yet i go this one weekend and i find the complete santa claus outfit wig beard gloves everything in my size this is just wow. unbelievable and i think to me that was the probably the first sign that i was you know i had chosen to do something different and this was going to this was going to have a huge impact on me. And I didn't know at the time what that would be. And so fast forward to Christmas Day. 180 children get hugs from Santa Claus, chocolate, lollipops. And I spend my whole day hugging, smiling, laughing, having my beard pulled because I had a lovely white beard. <laughs> um, it was quite a stunning, stunning little beardy number there. Um, and I just spent the day happy. Mm. Like, well, 
you know, I hadn't had a day like that in a very long time. And towards the end of the day, they told us that one of the orphans was not going to make it through the night. She'd been sick for a very long time. And she, they told us to go and say our goodbyes. And I went into a room in the orphanage that I'd never been to before to meet mm -hmm. a little girl I'd never seen before. Because um, I had kept myself to my room and the children that I worked with every day. And I leant over that crib. I'm still dressed as Santa Claus. And she put her hand in my beard and we breathed together. Mm. And it was one of those moments, it was just completely still. And I realized that she had probably two or three hours left and she was fighting for every single breath. And to her society, she was worthless, she was disabled, her family couldn't afford to keep her because she needed medication and things like this. She would never have gone to school and she had been sick from birth. And yet she was fighting for every single breath. And there was me in comparison with everything this little girl could want. Family, traveling, education, opportunities, health. Mm -hmm. Even though I wasn't in a good place, I was still healthy. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, you realize there's a reason to breathe. And that's what she gifted me that day. She gifted me a reason to breathe. What well, I didn't know what it was going to be, and I didn't know what it would look like. But in those few moments, there was a, what if I'm supposed to do something different? And this doesn't end here. This, you know, there's another path for me. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think that story is amazing. And I feel like that there's something um, that we're connected to as people. Genuinely, when we um, are going through a tough time, a dark place, I can relate with you where, you know, we go through such a level in our lives where it feels like there is no end of the tunnel, like just no light at the tunnel. And um, there's that connection where we are going to help other people and bringing happiness into their life by supporting them in some sort of way. And, you know, even working with kids, like just that fulfillment it has, seeing their happiness and that joy. Um, there's this there's this sort of like um, unconditional love and like bond that happens as human beings. We feel connected. I feel that brings so much healing. And, you know, you could see that it, it started working in, in, in your in your life spiritually. Like you started feeling that from inside. And um, I think that's incredible that you even chose to go to you know Vietnam and, and, and help all those like kids and, and be there and be Santa Claus. That's amazing. And I also think that um, that was a sign from God and, you know, pushing you being like, hey, here's are all the Santa Claus outfits, <laughs> you know, you can get. <laughs> and I, um, you know, that's meant, that was meant to be, yeah. you know, that that was in line. That was a sign and that was meant to be. And I think that's super special. And uh, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and, and sharing that story today on our podcast. And um, I, yeah, I, I think that I can relate to you as well. Um, that um, going back when I was uh, in grade, actually going into grade 10 in high school, I had a construction accident. Um, I was helping um, my grandparents and my dad um, doing some construction. I actually injured my right hand in this uh, construction activity we were doing throughout the day on some home. We were doing like renovations and and um, I got my hand caught in something that was falling off a roof and it actually ended up um, like ripping off like about half of the thumb. And, um, you know, there was, yeah, I'm sharing it on this. I'm sharing it on the show, but, but it was, it was an accident where it put me, you know, I was into sports, basketball, playing guitar, mm -hmm. piano, 
um, very, you know, involved with like being active and um, very outgoing. And when that happened to me at that age, I remember that um, it put my, me in a mentally uh, dark place. Um, you know, I got flown to a sick kids hospital in Toronto here in Canada. And um, I remember I was like, you know, of course you're on different types of painkillers and you know, you're young, you don't know what's happening. I went through different surgeries and because of the way it was ripped off, there was these different ways of how they do graphing and surgery. And um, I was going through a lot of different types of um, spiritual attacks and also like just the, my, my emotional health and balance was off because I was like, oh no, well, I, this is the end of the world for me. Like I'm not going to be able to do the things I love to do. And I feel like it doesn't matter what age. I mean, that age specifically um, was a huge wake up call for me because one day, and it was something like similar to what you mentioned, how you were helping the one, uh, the one was it uh, the little girl, right? That yeah. you were helping. Yeah. So something very similar where I was actually, um, I left my room and I was walking around the hospital and I was, there's an area where you can kind of go and mingle with other kids who are going through some battles. And I ended up actually coming across, um, someone who was sitting down um, a bit younger than me at the time. And um, he was, uh, it was about on the third floor of the hospital. I'll never forget. He was kind of sitting, catching some sun um, through like the, the, the sun window, you know, in the hallway. Yeah. And um, I just came up to him and I was very like, Oh, boy, I wanted to talk to somebody kind of get, get some social connectivity going. And uh, he, um, he, his whole head was shaved and um, he was bald and you can tell there was something wrong. There was something wrong, like with his body, you can tell he was kind of decaying. And I, um, so I went to sat, sat with him and I just started talking to him and connecting with him. And he asked me what happened to your hand, you know, and I explained him my incident. I'm like, I was really like, you know, I was kind of a mess. I was like also a little bit down and telling him that I feel like I won't be able to do the things I want to do. And, um, he ended up sharing his story and he said that he had about a month or so left to live. He had like really bad cancer and um, he accepted um, that he was going to be uh, passing away and leaving this life. And um, it was very empowering for me to hear it from him and the way he explained his story and the way he was like, you have your whole life ahead of you. And he's like, I'm just, and I'm like, why are you so like such in a good presence right now? Like your energy is so good. And he says, you know, I've accepted it. And I just want to enjoy the rest of my days being happy and joyful for what I have. And, you know, life is too short. And it really like motivated me to be not only just a better person and to help others and be there for people, but to look at my life and be like, you know what? Um, the, I'm okay. You know, I'm going to be okay. There's someone out there that actually needs my help, that needs my support, that needs my care. And I love that you did that. I love that you went down to Vietnam and you worked with kids and then specifically had that relationship with the one that brought you some sort of joy and healing inside. And I like just those little moments I find are so special. And that really captivated, captivated my like turning point and how I outlooked at life, you know, great going into grade 10, not that I was uh, a brat or a goofball or anything, but you know, like you go into high school at that mid age and you're kind of more yeah. focused on the sports and like whatever it was video games and music and just kind of no life outlook or responsibility or perspective really, because everything's so fresh and new, but that experience for me was very, was very powerful. So I can understand. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, you know, there's a segue there. I left that room and I had the kind of, I always describe it as the Microsoft Office moment mm. as I left the room in that I had decided that there was maybe another path. 
And as I walked out of that room and then we headed back to the guest house where we stayed as volunteers, the moment was the, when you go to delete a file on the computer and it always says, do you want to delete this file? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and I had that moment as I was walking home that night of what if my plan is not my plan? What if there's something else for me? And it was that, are you sure moment? And it was like, well, I don't know. And I had been very careful about not letting anybody know what I was feeling. Mm. I'd put on a mask for years that I was fine and I was, I was successful and I wasn't struggling with anything. And I didn't want anyone to ever question that. You know, I didn't want people to know that I was in this dark place. And so I had gone to personal development classes. I had gone to LA to learn how to be a speaker, you know, a professional speaker on stage, inspiring people. I had no intention of that being my life because as far as I was concerned, my life was going to end. And I had met during that speaker course, uh, an acting coach who, I'll be quite honest, that first meeting was not positive at all. Uh, I think at some point I do recall saying, I really wish I could kill you. Um, oh, wow. You know, you know, there's some people you just don't gel with. Now, for me, I felt that he could see inside me and I was really scared that he would see what I was planning. Mm. And if he could see it, maybe everyone else could see it. And that just scared me. Well, when I got home on that Christmas day, when I got back to my room, there was only one book in my room. And there was only one business card in my wallet and they were his and he had written in the front of the book for me the book was called stop acting and start living and inside he'd written the bigger the dream the better the life hmm. and there was this moment of he said he would help me during that session where we had first met and for me that was the are you sure moment I will ask this man who I don't particularly like for help. If he says yes, then that's my path. If he says no, or he doesn't respond within a week, then I still have my plan. You know, this I was four, four weeks away. And he wrote back within a couple of days. And the first thing he had me do was write a list of things that used to make me happy, that used to put a smile on my face. Mm. and reintroduce them into my life. And because, you know, I had very short days with this with the volunteering, he mm -hmm. encouraged me to do two or three of them a day. Now, when I work with clients, it's one or two at maximum a day because you don't want to change too many things. Mm. But one of the things that kind of as soon as he said, what do you do? You used to do that brought you joy that you do not do anymore was reading. Mm. And I realized I hadn't picked up a book and just read a book for three years. Wow. My phone was full of pictures that I'd taken of all the books that I wanted to read. You know, I'd get, go through the airport, you know, on all these trips that I took and I would take pictures of books. Oh, well, that sounds interesting. Well, that sounds good. Hadn't actually read a book in years. Mm. And the first weekend that I had free after I spoke to him, I went to this bookshop in Hanoi. And it was a... To be honest, it looked like a shop from Harry Potter. There were books mm -hmm. everywhere, shelves <laughs> everywhere, shelves that moved and books that, yeah, Harry Potter shop. Um, and 
I came out with seven books. Mm. And I started to read and I, you know, I was that kid in school who, if they said do one book report, would probably do three or four. I always had a book. I was always reading and I struggled to read one page in that first book. And I had to build it up just like a child would. I read one page and then the next day I read two pages and then I read for five minutes and then I read a chapter and then now I read for 30 minutes a day. And if I don't get oh, wow. my 30 minutes a day, and mm -hmm. it can be anything. It can be fiction. It can be nonfiction. But if I don't make that time every day for me, I notice it. My mood is mm -hmm. off. My energy is off. And it's little things like that that we can do to help ourselves in those situations. Um, you know, the child that you spoke to had made peace with it and was good. Mm -hmm. And he would, for the next however he, long he had, have done the things that made him happy. So he would have, whatever he would have written on that list, he probably would have gone and done. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us don't have a list like that. We just don't think about it. But actually, if you have a list like that on your phone, it can be, it can be the difference between a really stressful day being bad and a really stressful day being, it's okay, because I read or I listened to a piece of music or I watched a comedian you know, even a YouTube clip just to break mm -hmm. the mood that you're in is really important. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's something about if we express ourselves with um, something that we have passion in or love, um, our creativity side, or even just fulfilling our brain with knowledge and absorbing information, but also maybe absorbing like music and, and things that maybe don't take so much of the brain work. But um, when we going, cause when we're going through uh, challenges and we're going through times where it is tough and we are overwhelmed with that day grind, that daily grind. Um, I do agree. I think that's something that um, when you express yourself, whether it is reading music, working out that little moment, whether it takes 15 minutes, maybe an hour of the day where it's that self care, it, brings a balance it brings a nice full balance to your day and i feel like the more you prolong those the more you work on that those small steps each day doing the small like the reading like you mentioned small readings each day well it will in the long term you're creating this like very healthy spiritual balance and this connection with who you are as a person um i think that's amazing and you kind of actually touched base on one of my questions I want to ask, because I was going to ask, you know, during that turning point, and then you saw the uh, the actor, he was an actor, um, right? Actor. Um, He's an acting coach. Yeah. An acting coach. Yeah. So after you met with the acting coach, and then you started reading and working on some of those things, um, what are, is there, was there anything else um, that you did that kept yourself healthy? Was there any other things that you really enjoyed doing, whether it was writing um, or it could have been something like going for walks. Was there any other uh, healthy channels and tools that you use to kind of start realizing, oh, this is creating balance for me? So I studied under him for 18 months. I did mm -hmm. 11 acting masterclasses. Um, wow. I went to, you know, I went from not liking myself at all to basically finding the story that you've heard me tell today. Um, mm -hmm. It was in my, I think it was in my fourth masterclass. Um, I will say I had never, ever planned to tell anybody what was going through my head in those months. And I believed that that story would be locked away in my head, never to be told, but that there was, you know, there was another path for me, but I didn't believe that I would be using that story to help people. 
And in one of his classes, he asked the question and it was completely innocuous. He asked the question, what did you learn this week? And I, to this day, do not know what that question triggered in my head that admitted to the whole story that I've shared with you today. Mm. In, wow. front of in front of 50 people in the class, you tell the deepest, most authentic story. Mm -hmm. I was, I, and the first time I told it, I did it through floods of tears. I was, it was very emotional to tell anybody, but also kind of going, why am I telling these people this story? Why am I doing this? Now, shortly after I finished that story, two girls who had already answered the question, what did you learn this week? Got back onto the stage. One of them admitted to an eating disorder and one of them admitted to abuse. And both of them went on to get the help that they needed and then flourished in their acting careers. And that was the moment for me was it's connections with people. And it's not about giving them the whole path or, you know, all those things that they need. Sometimes just hearing that somebody else has been there or hearing somebody else say that they're struggling is enough for people to open up. And it really, it, you know, to go back to your question was, well, what did that trigger? Actually, it triggered me to just make small changes. This wasn't about a huge lifestyle overhaul. It was about making sure I drank enough water every day, making mm. sure I moved every day. Uh, was I happy? Was I focusing on being happy every day? And you kind of, if you take it in those small chunks, you know, everything you know, you can you the longest journey starts with that first the first step and that's what all those classes were for me you know i took dance class i took singing lessons i performed mm. on stage i sang let it go from frozen on a stage in <laughs> rome in a theater that wow. was not that was not on my bucket list i tell you uh, <laughs> i did i did stand up comedy in london based on my own life um cool wow. i went to I went to LA to a class there and we went to the Oscar parties. Um, you know, we got all dressed up and we mingled with, with lots of people. But, you know, those were such different things for me. And if you take it from a point of, what do I learn today from this? How can I be curious about it rather than being in fear that you might screw up or oh, what if I trip on my dress or, you know, those sort of things then your body is in a much better place to fight stress if mm. you give it regular check-ins that you are safe. Mm. That's what breaks down the stress cycle and the burnout cycle, is telling our bodies that we are safe. Because mm. our brain and our, our, so, you know, our internal system, ever since we lived in caves and tried to outrun dinosaurs, has asked the question, am I safe? Yes or no? And if the answer is no, can I get safe? Hmm. And that's how our brains were built and they haven't changed. And what we, when we ran away from a dinosaur, you did it for maybe two or three minutes till you got safe and then you stopped, you had a rest and you had something to eat, you might have had a nap, you'd laugh and joke with your other cave people about the, because you ran away from this dinosaur that you probably shouldn't <laughs> have been that close to in the first place. But nowadays, we try and run for 24 hours on that. 
and we mm. never stop and we never recharge. Mm. And so when you just take a small break and tell your body it's safe by looking at a cat video, uh, <laughs> by watching some jokes, by looking at some funny memes, by listening to some music, and it doesn't need to be 15, 30, 60 minutes long. It can be 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. It's enough for the body to go, oh, we're safe. Mm -hmm. And it just reduces the stress levels. Mm -hmm. Now, as soon as you finish, it could be stressful again, but it starts from a much lower place than if you try and always run up here. And mm -hmm. it's just more and more and more. Every time you stop, oh, it's back down again. So it starts from the bottom and it continues to go up and you stop again. And so your body is learning how to do what it does naturally when it comes to stress. Mm. But you have to give it those those moments where... It's really amazing that... <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's really amazing that you have this perspective that it just takes sometimes just those regular check-ins with your body. Um, I've never heard that before. And I think it's really cool that, you know, we go through our day with all these different, whether it's at your work, um, you know, entrepreneurship even. And um, there's so many things happening. Go, go, go. You're dealing with work and people. Um, and there is a lot of stress that compiles on. But just taking that self, just taking a pause, that self-regular little check-in, um, however many you do in the morning, afternoon. But I think that's amazing. I think that's very important. And people that are listening in, I'm like, that's, that's a very good tool to use. Um, going on that, um, if so, what was one of the hardest things to let go of to help push yourself forward? So when you were um, at that stage, I guess, whether it was um, with the little girl and you were having that connection or even with the acting coach um, and you were learning more about yourself and you're going on a better path towards that self-love, um, knowing who you are and knowing that, hey, I have a purpose, like I'm going to make a difference in this world and there's the i have a place in this world and I, what was the hardest thing to let go of of what you were feeling in the past um to really help yourself push forward i don't think in the in the time up to that point where i actually asked the coach to help me i had never asked for help mm. and that that was the biggest breakdown for me to actually ask somebody to help me. Um, Einstein says the level of thinking that creates a problem can't solve the problem. And hmm. so I had thought my way into the situation I was in. Now I was getting signs from my body. I was getting, you know, all these different things led up to what is a actually a condition. But in my head was I was disappointing people. I was a failure. These are all up here. They're not physical things and it was the asking for help that was the hardest thing for me because it meant admitting that I couldn't do it that I that I needed help um, and it once and I, it's still not comfortable I, you know I'll be I'll be completely honest it's still something mm -hmm. like oh I could probably just about make it through myself just ask for help even mm -hmm. in just telling somebody the release of not holding it to yourself, that problem shared. When I spoke to people, and this was probably a couple of years after everything had happened, I would meet up with friends, I was reconnecting with people. And when I said to them, you know, what had been going on, they were like, if we had known, we would have been at your door within five minutes. Hmm. 
if you had just told us, we would have sat with you all night. We would have not asked you to come to the cinema, but we would have sat and had a coffee and just talked. And, you know, that everything that I needed was already there. I just had to be willing to ask for it. And that that for me was a really big thing to overcome. Mm. But the path of healing and going to the acting classes actually made it easier to do that. I was the most inexperienced actor in every single one of those classes. I was in classes with people whose names you have seen on big shows. Mm. And to have to say to them, how do you learn lines? How do you learn how to do this scene without learning every single person in the scene's lines? Because that's how I would do it. I would learn every, I would learn the whole script. Mm-hmm. And then I would be told off because I was mouthing other people's words. Because that's the only way I knew it, how to, when I had something to say. But you have to ask to get the help to learn it. Mm. And that, that has been the biggest lesson throughout all of this. Mm. Learning to ask for help when I'm struggling, learning to ask for help in how to set up my business, learning how to ask you know, for feedback when I'm on stage. Mm. All of those things. Um, yeah, that's the big, that was the biggest obstacle that I had to overcome. I find it fascinating that um, sometimes like that, that feeling and that nervousness or that anxiety that we get when we, when we, we know we need help and we, and we want to ask for help, but there's this, there's this barrier between wanting the help and then, ah, I don't want people to know what I'm going through. I'm not ready. And I went through something very similar. Like before I started this podcast, I was going through a, a very depressing and lonely time. Um, when the pandemic hit and I wasn't able to see family, I wasn't able to see friends. I was very enclosed. And even though we can have virtual uh, FaceTimes and, you know, I can work on music and and work and I was still doing what I can to, to uh, move forward. But there's actually um, a certain time where like, I was like, wow, I feel still like not connected to, to my, my, my circle, my people that I love. And, um, you know, it got to a point where I actually really needed to just take a reflection be vulnerable with what I was going through and talk to somebody, ask for help. And you know what? It's one of those things that just uh, opens the floodgates of um, having more solitude and having more fulfillment. And it brings so much healing. And um, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And, you know, being a grown adult male, you know, and, you know, it's just like, sometimes it's okay to open up of what we're going through. And, um, you know, my whole life, I was kind of like enclosed with my emotions because I was one that didn't want to put that on anybody else. I didn't want to um, have someone feel that heaviness or feel, oh, you know what? You know, Jacob Kime is going through some stuff this month. You know, I'm just going to keep it to myself, you know, but it doesn't matter how many like push-ups and squats and jumping jacks or how much music you work on or whatever, cooking and going for walks. It gets to a point where you actually are burning yourself out and that is when you have to realize that sometimes just talking asking for help you know and it doesn't have to be sometimes someone uh clinical uh you know in the medical field sometimes it could just be a friend someone you trust maybe a stranger that has that shares similarities like you know going all the way across from the different you know over the ocean and talking on a live stream and just sharing each other's stories i find that's very uh very powerful how we can connect that way and bring healing And I would say, you know, it it is hardest for us to speak to our family and friends because, you know, they want the best for you. But you also don't want to, you know, your biggest fears are around what they're thinking about you. 
and mm. how they might react. And the yeah. chances are they're not going to react badly. They're going to want to help. And so I would say to anyone who, you know, we've touched on some pretty dark stuff today. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say that if you are in a position and you, you know, you're struggling, then talk to somebody. Um, it could, it can be family and friends if you have that sort of support network. But if not, there are anonymous helplines that you can call as well when there are, you know, there are trained professionals. There are also ones run by volunteers that you won't even know the person who's at the other end of the phone, but guaranteed you will feel better if you just have a conversation. Mm. I agree. Um, Sarah, so Sarah, what are you doing today? Um, you know, what, what are you doing for your community and for your people in this world? Now that you, when you finish the acting coaching and you kind of, you found your path and you're working towards helping people, um, I want to know more about your reason to breathe. I want the listeners to know more about it and how did you get down that route and what were some of those steps that you took to really start uh, fulfilling kind of your purpose in, in helping your community and the people around you of what you went through? So, like I said, I didn't know what life on this journey was going to look like. And it took several, I'll say, iterations before we got to your reason to breathe. More because I was still, because I was not 100% sure that I would ever tell that story. Uh, I was originally teaching emerging market success, so how to be successful overseas. Then I talked about ethical leadership for a while. All of these were topics that, you know, the first one was a topic someone else gave me. I really wasn't connected to it. The second one was something I just happened to be particularly good at, but I wasn't passionate about. And I knew once I started to tell my story that a lot of the listeners may have heard, you know, Simon Sinek and the whole the power of why and start with why. And I'll be completely honest, mm. never bought into all of that. It's like, why would you need to know why? Surely you need to know what, how, when and where before you know mm -hmm. why you're doing it. I actually just sorry, I want to jump in. I actually love that the, his teachings on that. No, yeah. the why. I started with that and it's amazing. Just wanted and, to jump in. <laughs> no. And for me, your reason to breathe is yeah. that why. Once mm. I found mine, things, you know, became a lot clearer. You know, I, your reason to breathe came out of writing a chapter in a book and they needed a website address. Mm. And it was all about your reason to breathe. What was it? I was like, well, that's what I'm supposed to teach on, that I'm supposed to help people find theirs. Um, and so I help people prevent burnout by making those lifestyle changes that I didn't make at the right times by noticing mm -hmm. what the red flags are for burnout. You know, it's little things that are changing in your life that if one or two happen, you might not notice them because you're still feeling okay. But, you know, mm -hmm. we work off 15 of them. Now, if 12 or 13 of them have gone wrong, the chances are you are burning out or close to burnout, complete burnout. Um, and so we help people, A, heal from them and recover from them and give them the tools to actually build a life around their reason to breathe where burnout and stress is not going to be an issue. Mm. Basically make people be the priority in their own lives again, which is what a lot of people give up when they start to, you know, get super stressed about things or overwhelmed mm -hmm. because they're chasing something that isn't truly delivering for them on that why level on that your mm. reason to breathe. 
Wow, that's so powerful. And I love that you use the um, Simon Sinek's like teachings um, to kind of find your why. And I think that is like super empowering for people, uh, especially in the day that we live in this this age. It's um, there's a lot of systems and things that uh, generations are used to. But if you take a step back, there is also a new age where we can actually fulfill our dreams and our purpose by just learning from others, learning from different teachings and kind of narrowing down what your passion is, what's your mission, what are the things that you've went through and how can you bridge that into something like a business or entrepreneurship to help people? I think that is really fascinating. And um, I have like huge motivation and drive for yourself and, and, and people who are in that field, because I think that's an authentic way to live your life, to make a living as well is you're helping people because you went through something. Now you want to bring that healing and connection by sharing your advice, sharing the tips and tools and things that you've used. And um, yeah, super amazing. Um, so re- your reason to breathe, uh, I believe is a number one uh, book here in UK. Uh, no, is that so what I read? Reason, no, so Your Reason to Breathe was part of a book called Activate Your Life, okay. uh, which was an international bestseller uh, across I think, five different countries, lots of different Amazon categories. Nice. Um, the book Finding My Reason to Breathe is yes. still being written. That will be my sort of journey. And then we'll, have a, we'll then have a follow-up you know, journal workbook called Finding Your Reason to Breathe. Um, you know, very much cool. to help people, yeah, understand what's really going on inside mm-hmm. them and how it can change and then help them through that. Um, and if, yeah, if following the workbook isn't enough, then they can always contact us at the website um, to hear more or to find more resources. So this is the website right here, yourreasontobreathe.com? Yourreasontobreathe.com. Um, and, it, you know, we mentioned those factors Amazing. about burnout. So we have a quiz called, are you burning out? Um, if you go to the website, it'll pop up and you can grab hold of the quiz. And it's really just 15 questions, yes, no. And it'll give you an indicator of where you are in the stress cycle or within burnout. Um, and it gives you some tips then of things that you should do to kind of break it, reverse it, and then and recover from it. So if people are interested, that's, that's the best place to start. Find out where you are now, and then mm. figure, we'll figure out the plan after that of how to, how to get you better <laughs> yeah and anyone tuning in listening in um just like sarah said you could go to your reason to breathe.com do the quiz it's a short quiz and it's free no worries and they will help you and follow up um if you want to tune in and listen and connect with sarah ross you can follow her on instagram at your reason to breathe and then also we have her on facebook as well your reason to breathe both taglines at symbol your reason to breathe instagram and facebook and um, I really appreciate you, Sarah, taking the time today to share your story and that healing process and, and where you are today to help people in your community. And one of my um, questions I love to, to end with is, uh, it's a powerful question, but at the same time, I, I, I just feel like it's, 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 it has to happen. It's something that makes sense for everyone and listening in and connecting. And um, like, out of all the experiences that you've been able to uh, learn and harness all the pains, those tribulations and things you've went through, but also those healing processes as well. Um, what are some words of wisdom that you would be able to share with someone battling those same challenges that you went through, that they're going through today? There is always stress in our lives. There really is. 
whether it's good stress or bad stress, but it doesn't need to define your life. It is not why we were born and it's not why you took a job or work in a certain business, whether it's your own or for somebody else. And there's a lot to be said for just stopping and taking a breath. You know, so just give yourself that chance. Don't forget to breathe. Whether it's five minutes, you know, you leave a meeting, you go outside, you take a deep breath, just breathe. Um, my breathing with that little girl changed my life. It made me stop. It made me think. It made me, she gave me the gift of a reason to breathe. And I would say, that's what I would give anybody else. It's like, just take a breath and actually think about it. What is your reason to breathe? And if it's not something that makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning, dig deeper. Because we all have something for which we would do anything for. Well said. Amazing. I love it. Thank you, Sarah Ross, for sharing that. Uh, those are words of wisdom. And, you know, I think that you are doing something very special in the world right now and connecting with people with their reason to breathe. Um, you sharing those words, I'm over here taking deep breaths and I'm taking some like balance and it's amazing, you know, and I feel that it is important that we should take that time to find our reason and find a reason to breathe. Um, everyone tuning in that's listening in, please reach out to Sarah Ross. Again, she's on Instagram and Facebook. And also you can connect with the quiz here at your reason to breathe.com. And, uh, I just want to say very grateful and humbled to have you on our show today, Sarah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for giving us a platform to bring these stories out. Uh, like I said, when I told mine, two people told theirs. So if the mm -hmm. ripple effect is, you know, and it doesn't always need to be on a podcast for those of you that, who think, well, I, I've got a story, but I don't want to tell it on a podcast. Sometimes it's just the ripple of stories of people saying, oh, yeah, I've been in that place too. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. So thank you for mm. stepping up and actually bringing people together to, to share stories. I appreciate you, Sarah. And, uh, you know, we're doing it together and everyone listening in, tuning in, they're also part of this as well. Stories of Healing is here to inspire and motivate and help others lift and rise up. And I think that connecting um, with our stories of healing is what we're going to do to create fulfillment, balance and healing back into our lives. So thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, everyone listening and tuning in. And I hope you get ready for the upcoming week. And, uh, you know, happy Sunday. And, uh, happy Sunday. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Take care, everyone.